episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. Wow. Another X-Factor session? Yep. Keeps Part going. three of the X-Factor. People love the X-Factor. I love it. Yeah. People love it. I know. I don't know why, but they love it. They do. I think people just love hearing people talk about it because they have really strong opinions of it one way or the other. Yeah. So they either really hate it and they're waiting for us to like rip into it, or they really love it and they're looking for us to pick up for it. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of an underdog album and people, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 it amazed me when it's, when it sticks out. But then again, I guess you realize how hardcore fans are and they want the periphery stuff. Yeah. Uh, they don't want, you know, the power slave stuff, so, which, which is interesting when yeah. you can find something. It's funny because, well, we already said this was like the most requested album for us to cover. Yeah, it was. When you look at the downloads for the first, the last two weeks for the yeah. part one and part two of the X Factor, they're like killing killers and like destroying power slave yeah like it's, it's 30 or 40 percent more than those albums it's weird right at the gate yeah 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 although the, the baseline keeps shifting every time anyway but still but like still noticeable it's, it's noticeable there's a big spike on these episodes so yeah people, so people care people want to hear that about the x factor yeah. and we've done it and we've done it justice thus far i was listening back um the last two weeks uh, in prep for this it's funny because your mindset changes well you know me anyway uh, i go with the wind um <laughs> And I was listening back to it, through it, and I was like, yeah, you know, some things I'd probably... And I've been listening to the album a ton. I listened to it yesterday on my yep. deck, drinking a bunch of beer, having a great time. And um, someone was listening, someone was like, is that Metallica? Seriously. <laughs> and I was like, what? There are some pretty heavy parts on the song, yeah. Yeah, well, some of the opening pieces, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, so I'm really itching for a beer. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. Oh, this is great. So what do we have here today? We got the Garrison, which is uh, Halifax, Nova the Scotia. Halifax. Yeah. Um, East Coast style. It's called the Nitwit. Nitwit. I have no idea. I saw them. It's getting harder and harder when we go into the liquor store to find beer that we haven't tried. Yeah. I saw these two cans. I never recognized it before, so I just grabbed two of them. <laughs> just grabbed them. <laughs> it says Belgian style wheat, which makes me think maybe I won't like it, but... Yeah, I'm not a big wheat drinker. Me neither. I didn't read the read what it said on the can. I just grabbed it. <laughs> yeah, like funky font. I was like, I'm I've in. never seen this one before. Anyway, let's try it out. There we go. I uh, I bought two really nice IPAs for the recording session today, but I drank them on the deck yesterday. Yeah, it was a nice day yesterday. I know. So I'll bring them in for the next one. Yeah, it was awesome. It's mm. not bad. Zesty. It tastes very <laughs> citrusy. Citrusy. <laughs> It's it's good. It's good for wheat. Yeah. You see, this is one of those where I know if someone loved wheats, that this was amazing. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm not a big mm. fan of wheat beers, so what's it say on this? Embrace the haze. I'm hops all day long, man. This is good though. That's not bad. Yeah. What's it say? Coriander and dried orange peel. So that's why it tasted like oranges. Coriander. I'm not getting any coriander cilantro flavor at all. Yeah. No, that's not bad. I'd get it again. But dried orange peels? That's what it says, yeah. This is one of those like wine where you know, you're know like, oh, <laughs> you taste the almonds? I'm like, all I taste is grapes. Yeah. <laughs> Even then. Yeah, they smell it and they're like, forest floor. I know. I know. Plums. Yeah, the, guy, the guy who was stomping the grapes smells yeah. deodorant. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's really I'd good. I'd try it again. Yeah, definitely. It's true, though. I'm not a big uh, fan of the wheat. No. So, I don't know. But for a wheat, this is really good. Oh, you know, there's a good stout downtown, too, at the uh, at the brewery. I should go down and pick some up for the next one. Um, yeah, but this is good beer. Definitely good. Garrison is a great brewery. I find wheats to be too sweet sometimes, and this one's not sweet, so... Ah, 
It's not too bad. Not bad. Mm, uh, for a wheat, I give it a high rating. For a beer, for our podcast, and all that, put it in the, you know. It's an, maybe it's an acquired taste, like the X Factor is. <laughs> oh, way to tie it back. Great, great, great tie back. Yeah, when we, uh, I, I listened back, and there were some hot takes, and there was some great analysis uh, done. I, I, I was listening back through it. It hit me that you, uh, Man on the Edge, you picked at the bottom half of the album. So I'm kind yeah. of really anxious to see because I, I'm guessing you're going to like a lot of what's coming. And this is I am, yeah. this is getting into a part where I start to think it's We're ridiculous. We're going to butt heads a bit. Oh, <laughs> well, that's what, that's completely. But that's good. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. So we, we, we wrapped it up last time with Look for the Truth. Is that right? Right, yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you something that happened this week is I was talking to... Remember James Fraser, yeah. Fraser who sent us that yeah. beer from New Zealand? I was talking to him about the X Factor, or I told him we were doing the X Factor. And he told me that he actually interviewed Dave Murray back during the period oh, yeah. when they were looking for a new lead singer, when they were doing the search, which we talked about a lot in that first episode. And so he was working, this was in 1993, he was working at a, a radio station. Okay. And he got an interview with Dave Murray. And uh, this was like pre-internet, so he just like researched magazines and came up with all these questions. And then he just went in as like a Maiden fan, had it on cassette tape. He ripped it to MP3 and like sent us a copy of it. No way. I listened through it and it's, uh, there's a lot of really good stuff in there yeah. that I might save for a later episode. But there is a, two clips I pulled out from this interview. Um, and the sound quality is not the greatest. But it's Dave Murray talking about uh, looking for the new lead singer. And it's kind of cool. It's just kind of like backs up some of the stuff that we were kind of thinking, but we weren't really sure about in episode number one. So this is Dave when he's talking about the process of trying to find a new singer. This is from 1993. Um, yeah. First of all, I yeah. suppose the obvious start is how goes the hunt for the new singer? Um, yeah, we've been doing that for the last uh, about three weeks. Right. We, we, spent, we spent about a week sitting down listening to the tapes. There's about 400 odd. And um, there was, you know, we, we picked out the ones that we felt that, you know, we want to get down on audition. So... We've actually been doing that the last couple of weeks. We've been getting, you know, a different guy then every day. And and really, we're, we're you know, there's a few in there that, that sound promising. Um, but we've, we've got some more to, to go through at the moment. So um, I hope we should probably know better, have a better idea in about two or three weeks what the, uh, how the line of the land is, really. Right. And, uh, you know, but we, we feel pretty positive. We feel confident that we're going to find someone. Right. Is there a similar sort of vocal style in the new singers that you're liking? Um, no, actually, we don't. We really want to steer away from like the Bruce, um, you know, sort of uh, vocal style in a way. Because um, in fact, we had a few guys sending tapes, and they they sounded exactly the same as him. Everything, okay. you know, the phrasing and the voice. And um, you know, we, we don't really want to get Bruce Cohen. We want somebody that has their own identity, really. Um, with, with all the tapes that we had sent in, the problem was a lot of the singers sound, you know, sounded really good, but they sound like somebody else. And so really, we want someone that has his own individual sound and style. And, so, and you know, that's the hardest, the hardest part, really. But um, so we have, we have um, you know, listened to a few, and we've got a few down that are kind of individual enough where, you know, they've got the vocal range and they've got, like, the, the heart and soul just there. And um, really, that's what we're after. So that's kind of a cool clip, I thought. Yeah. He was talking about the 400 tapes that they went through listening, audition tapes that people sent in. Yeah. And he's 
saying for like they definitely want to steer away from someone that sounds like Bruce. Like they really want to find someone with their own style. Yeah. So he said they had a bunch of people that sounded just like Bruce and they're going to steer away from them. So Yeah, which is interesting because it means that they really went into it with that mentality. They didn't get halfway yeah. through and realize that no one was as good as Bruce so they had to pivot or they didn't make it up as an excuse after. Yeah, or I wonder if they had Blade in mind the whole time while they're auditioning because he did yeah. open for them. He knew They knew him. They are friends with him. So Yeah. I'm wondering if uh, maybe they had him in the back of their mind. So Interesting. That's saying this. Interesting. And the, the other clip that I pulled out of the interview because it's uh, like a half hour interview is when they're talking about uh, recording the new album, which would turn out to be The X Factor. They're, he's talking basically about uh, the process of writing an album with a new singer. The next studio album, will it signal a drastic change for the band music-wise? Um, yeah, I think, you know, getting a new singer in, it's going to change anyway. And, and hopefully it will just go up you know, we'll just go up um, another uh, path, really. Just like, um, really, it's kind of exciting because you don't quite know, you know, what the shape it's going to take on. But, um, you know, all you can do is you go in there, make the album, make the music, and then, you know, the vocalist will come in and do his thing. And, and, and so we, we need, that's why we're looking for someone that has their own type of sound, their own, their own identity. And, and yeah, it will, it will be different. Um, I think the same way when Paul Diano was in the band, I made him sound like that. And when Bruce came in, we changed. And now with another singer, it will change. And, um, you know, it, it will take on a new direction. But it will be, you know, musically, I think it will be as strong as, as before. If not stronger, because having someone new in the band can kind of give you a lot more, you know, a lot more enthusiasm, having new blood can spark off new things. So, um, yeah, yeah it, will, it will be different. And... Um, for the better, I would think. Uh, how difficult is it writing new material when you're not too sure of the new singer's vocal range and vocal style? Um, well, really, I think with, when that goes, when we actually sit down and um, when we're working that stuff or writing stuff, most of the time, you know, a, a good singer will be able to, you know, sing in any key, really. I think they probably have their favourite keys, you know. But... Um, uh, most of the time, you know, a good singer will be able to adapt to any situation, really, you know. I mean, that's why we're looking for someone that has to be pretty versatile, you know, that have a, a good full range, um, and which, you know, like Bruce had. And, and that's, you know, we'll be looking for a singer that, you know, will have that type of range. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll be able to deal with anything that he gets thrown at him. <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that Steve writes, especially, uh, a lot of stuff that are quite off the ball, really, and... and um, and there's certain phrasings, you know, it's not a straight-head rock band, really, as such. There's a lot of time changes and lots of stuff in there. And so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's a task, but it's something that once you get your teeth into, I think, you know, <laughs> right. we'll, we'll get someone that can handle it, you know. Right. Wow. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. He sent that through, and I saw it, I was like, I'm going to wait till you chop it up. <laughs> but uh, that's, uh, well, that's really cool. Yeah. It's quite an addition to the conversation. Yeah, it is interesting to see the writing, uh, the, you know, what they're thinking about in terms of the vocal range. And, so, yeah, that was really cool. It was cool to send that interview. Yeah. You just happened to have it on a cassette tape somewhere, so. Wow, it's pretty cool to get to do that, huh? I gotta say. Awesome. Well done. Perfect. Thanks again to James. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we'll get into the songs. Before we get into the songs, I have this book here. It's called At the End of the Day, The Story of the Blaze Bailey Band. Okay. So I was I ordered this and it didn't come in time for the last two episodes. So I have it for this third episode, 
Um, I've been reading it as fast as I can, going through it. There's a lot of really cool stories in here. I might bring up one or two additional ones, like when we get when we're finished going through all the songs. Yeah, um, it's a pretty cool book. It seems good. There's a lot of the Blaze Bailey solo stuff, but I was concentrating on reading the part of, like the X Factor in Virtual Eleven. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's written by a guy that was in his band. So, oh, cool. Okay, yeah. The, the end of the day, the story of Blaze Bailey band. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome uh, looking book. What what year is this? 2010. 2010. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Good few pictures in it. That looks really good. You just got this. Hey, where'd you get it? You I got it. it I ordered it online, so I just got it a few. Uh, this is cool. A few days ago. Yeah. Lawrence Patterson, the story of Blaze Bailey Band. Cool. And it's signed by, of course, <laughs> yeah. but only by signed things. I swear to God, that's awesome. Yep. There's a story in there. I'm not gonna. I won't get into it now in detail. But there's uh before Blaze was playing at the Brixton Academy. And he got a package backstage, and he opened it up, and it was a, a brick that was painted gold, and a selection of fine ales, and it was from Bruce Dickinson to to uh, to Blaze, and there's a note, and it said, good luck, this is your first step, and I really wish you all the best. Well, so, that's, that's awesome. kind of cool, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because you were talking last episode about how they always kind of had respect for each other, so. Oh, yeah, yeah those, those guys have a bromance. So Bruce is a uh, class yeah. act. I think Bruce, Bruce is classy, and I think Blaze respects him like crazy. Yeah. You know, um, this is excellent though. The, in the foreword here, in the acknowledgments, um, the the author here, this guy Lawrence, he thanks uh, the guys from Iron Maiden, but he, he specifically highlights uh, Yannick and Steve. But at the end, he says, "Some critics in the book were disappointed that more of this wasn't about Maiden. Well, it isn't a book about Iron Maiden. They're always one of my favorite bands in the 1980s, and still play with all their hearts. Um, still and still play them with all my heart. But uh, the Maiden story is written elsewhere. There are always things uh, that you can't mention about any band because it's too raw." Too close to the bone in one way or the other. This book's intention was never to stir any negatives, but to tell a story, that's all. Yeah. Really cool. So it's oh. really well, well written. Some yeah. of these books. There's another book that I got, and I have it here. I ordered this online because it was just an Iron Maiden book that I had never heard of. It's called Playing With Madness, a collection of writings on the Beast by Neil Daniels. If anyone's listening to this, don't ever buy this book. It's yeah. a pure uh, waste of money. Why, what is it? Recycled material? It's There's a few like three page interviews at the beginning and then when you get into it and then half the book is there's like assorted set lists and it just has random set lists and that takes up like 20 pages and then it has an album, a list of other albums and then they list all the songs mm. and then there's a bunch of like really crappy pictures and then there's like stuff cut and pasted from the internet it's like a really really not a good book and it doesn't even seem like yeah, a full on. I think it's someone just slapped it together, hoping yeah. people like me would buy it without reading reviews. <laughs> that's exactly what you did. Yeah. Look, even the cover, the cover photo, the aspect ratio is wrong. Yeah, everything like, exists. Yeah. It's all like they had it edited by kid. So. Yeah. Maybe I should start uh, reviewing all my yeah. maiden books. Like I'm at twenty of them now, probably. Well, when are you going to write a maiden book? <laughs> I should someday with all these, uh, all this. After all these no, the albums. No joke, because the interesting thing is that you've when you do research you go through all the secondary sources so these are all secondary sources right these yeah. books are amalgamation so in history they're secondary sources they cite original things which are like real information was released from a concert stuff about the band stuff that yeah. came directly from the band's mouth that's like a primary source most of what we read is amalgamations and then there's gaps and inconsistencies and there's a body of work here man there's a, a phd thesis in history here. <laughs> there is seriously on maiden you know on maiden totally well, totally Let's get into the X Factor oh, now. Let's get going. Part three of the X Factor. So, 
Yes. The next song that we haven't talked about yet is, and I think I said this as a teaser on the last episode, that this yeah. is probably my favorite song on the X Factor. Yeah, you said this is your favorite track. The Aftermath. Yeah. And I was thinking about it after and I was like, I'm trying to think if I really mean that or not. But yeah. I do think I like Sign of the Cross and Lord of the Flies are better. But this one's my favorite. I don't think it's the best song, but when I go to the album, this is one of the songs I go to. Yeah. Like if I was going to pick three songs off, I would pick Sign of the Cross. Lord of the Flies, and The Aftermath. I just, uh, I love the lyrics in it. The lyrics are really cool. Once a plowman hitched his team, here he sowed his little dream. Now bodies, arms, and legs are strewn where mustard, gas, and barbed wire bloom. It's like a, I don't know, it reminds me of the lyrics to Passchendaele. Yeah. You know? They're both like World War One. I've got a quote from Blaze. He says, The Aftermath. I was reading a lot of poetry from the First World War, and around the same time, my father gave me a picture of my great-grandfather, he died in the First World War. These two things seemed to connect, and when I was searching for lyrical ideas for the X Factor album, I had this photo of my grandfather in my notebook, and it just seemed to strike a chord. That's where the aftermath came from, really. Who said so, that? Blaze. Blaze. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because he has a writing credit on it. Yeah, and if he yeah. wrote these lyrics, which I think he did, I think these are, like, amazing lyrics. Yeah, uh, okay. I know you're going to show a bunch of clips. I When I re-listened to the... To the uh, um, to the podcast today, I caught that that you had said like, "Oh, the next track's my favorite track," which I was surprised. And you know, we disagreed on a lot of tracks here. Although I think overall we're going to come out with a similar feel on the album. I found that this song, before I let you lead into your clips, um, for me it never got there. It's just like, and I don't know what it is. Maybe I almost feel like the the lyrics are too cheesy because there's such a deep meaning. You know, it's such a such an important concept that if you don't deliver, it almost like super misses. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the whole I war concept. I just feel like it never gets there. You know, after the war, left feeling no one has won. You know, and then after the war, what does a soldier become? I just ugh, the way he sings, the way cool it, I, it dies down. I don't know. This it just just needs like fireworks or something in it. It's just too. It never gets there. It's it's not an epic war. That's my that's my view. I don't know. Now try and change my opinion. <laughs> I listened to it on loop all afternoon today, and I was like, yeah. I don't get what draws you to it. I just really like the chorus, and I really like. Uh... I like the intro. The intro is like, well, you can tell Yannick has a writing credit on this. And you can tell, like, I'm pretty sure this is one of Yannick's intros. It sounds like, uh, remember Tattooed Millionaire? We did, like, Son of a Gun. And we talked about Wasting Love in those yeah. songs. Like, this intro is pure out of that. So that's pure, like, Yannick, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's the track that we were listening to yesterday, and my friend said, is that Metallica? And you can hear a bit of yeah. it, you know? Yeah, I can hear that, the guitar yeah. sound, yeah. A little bit. And uh, I like I like these slower tempo, tempo yeah. like, heavy Maiden songs. Um, it kind of has, like, a military kind of drum beat to it, like, the, you know what I mean? The speed. Yeah. Uh, just these ones that, like, chug along, I really like. Yeah. And that's what, a lot of what I like about this album. And... I just love this, you know, the part you were talking about, the after the war part. Yeah. I really like the way he sings it. And I love the guitars, the way they come in, the way all the music comes in after he's like, after the war, what does a soldier become? And then after that, the guitars that come after that. Yeah, I just feel it just like sounds, grinds right down. Yeah, but I don't I like feel that. it like, picks dun, me dun, up. Dun, dun, dun. Well, it's right. not supposed to be a pickup. It's Let's a, highlight it. Let's hear it.
So yeah, I, I love I love the heaviness of it. I love the like it's just a slow grinding, and I love the way the drums come in when he's finished singing with the bang bang bang. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, it Very just powerful. makes me wanting. I don't know what it is. I mean, I just don't like it. I don't I don't get it. I don't know the the, the slow tempo there. If it's meant to like you know, evoke emotion, but it doesn't for me. I'm just, I want more. And I, I do like the way he sings it, yeah. but I just wish it would really accelerate after, you know? Yeah. Well, it does accelerate after. He, you know, the part where he screams, like, yeah. I'm just a soldier, yeah. which is awesome. And then Yannick comes in and it, he just comes in. There's like a cool instrumental part. And then the solo comes in. Hmm. It's like one of those improvised kind of solos where he yeah. just plays this improvised thing. But then he goes into this riff that's really like melodic. Um, I think this is part of the reason I love the song so much. I think this is one of the best solos on the album. I still can't put my finger on what it is that's holding me back on this album and I think I you know I talked about Adrian and that's that's definitely he's he's missed but you know you had mentioned and I really noticed it when I was re-listening after the first podcast about the muffling of the drums or and I yeah, it there the way it's mixed the, it's, it's yeah. not right it just yeah. doesn't seem right I don't know it's just I you know we put so much emphasis on on uh, Blaze and his vocal and the, at least I did if you had a bruising of that it's, you know it's not gonna be better yeah, well, that's like these songs from the X Factor are like written with mm. Blaze in the band. They're like meant for Blaze to Blaze. sing. Yeah, like I have a live clip of them doing the aftermath, and listen to how Blaze just like nails the vocals on this. Silently to silence fall in the fields of futile war. Toys of death that's fitting red, where boys that world as soldiers live. War horse and war machine, curse the name of liberty. Marching on as if they should mix in the dirt of brothers' blood. In the mud, and we, what are we fighting for? Is it worth the pain? Is it worth dying for? So two things about that clip is Blaze can sing these Blaze songs great live. The other thing is. Live, I think these songs sound a lot better. Because I mentioned on the episode before this that this is the first album after Martin Birch retired. Yeah. Yeah, like on the album, it just seems like none of the instruments really like pop. Like if you're listening to the drums, they kind of sound, like you said, muffled. Yeah. The guitars don't really... Like, I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's just I don't like the sound of the mix of the album. Yeah, and I think I'll... a remix could really like... Yeah, although you highlighted it that it before about, about Yannick's solo there. And Yannick is really good on this album. Dave yeah. isn't bad. But for me, it's just, I don't know. It just feels missing. I'm trying to put my fingers on it. Not as a, you know, a, a heavily educated musician. But for my feeling, it's just the, the 
but you know, and it's funny too that you know we're here trying to put our finger on what's different. The bass is so dominant in this album too, and we'll get into yeah. that in a few more tracks. And to, to be so off on the the drums, it, I don't know. It seems to me yeah. I don't know what's going on. I think like the past Maiden albums, they sound so. Gr- I think they sound great. Yeah. And this one is such a it's a bit of a change. Yeah. Was I know I hear about people talking about like Kevin Shirley's albums that he masters yeah. and they don't like it too, but I think they sound great. Was it something they were trying at the time, mid nineties, like that grungy? Yeah, maybe. I feel, don't know. You know, remember how it went? Like, you remember how all these albums got like very distortiony and, and and cut down? And, yeah, I don't know if yeah. it was just what was at the time, but I wouldn't say so because like you listen to other albums in the nineties and yeah, you know, but I, I think mean, it's just you think about this and you compare how crisp a matter of life and death is. I mean, relatively. Yeah, or like go back to even like yeah. Power Slave oh, when yeah. we did that. Like you can hear everything perfectly. Yeah. So I don't know it's it's I don't know it's hard to put your finger on what it is, but there is definitely something with the the mixing of this album where it doesn't pop. I don't know what other way to describe it, but like certain yeah. instruments. Normally, when you're listening to Maiden, you can like zone in on just the drums. Yeah. Zone in on just the bass, or zone in on one person's guitar, or the other guitar. And this one, I feel like it's all kind of like muddy, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Well, I like on, on this song, like, I don't know, lacks energy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. I find it a bit repetitive. See, I like long, slow. Yeah. It's not that long. It's like, like six that. or seven minutes. It's six, six twenty-one. Yeah. Yeah. So the next song, Judgment, Judgment of Heaven. Heaven. You must yeah. like this one a bit. I do better. like this. Okay, so this is a pure Steve Harris song. Yeah. Yeah, but this has like really, really dark, dark, dark lyrics. Yeah. So we were talking about the the melody is a bit more uplifting than some of the other stuff on the album, but the lyrics are uh, like lyrics. I've been depressed so long; it's hard to remember when I was happy. I felt like suicide a dozen times or more, but that's the easy way. That's the selfish way. The hardest part is to get on with your life. Like, yeah, yeah. That's you know we were talking about Steve Harris was in that like super dark place. Yeah, and these lyrics are. Really yeah, bad. that's my one negative note is I'm not so excited about the theme of this. It's not because, you know, you can't have dark music. I just found, like, I don't know, a little bit inconsistent and a little too dark and the judgment of heaven. Just, I don't know. I I wasn't gone on it, but I love the sound. I love the feel. I love the flow yeah. of the track. I like this. It's a, it's a great song because it kind of, like, builds and builds, and then it finally gets into, like, it goes full-on, like, pure maiden. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it, it's, I don't know. I just, I really like the song, too. And I love the chorus on this one. Me too. And, and this Blaze is some is of Blaze's excellent. best singing yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. From, <laughs> I, love, cheesy. Like, I can picture him doing his air drums. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's some of the transitions there in his voice are a little bit funny, but I really like the feel of that. I love yeah. it. You know, it's funny because when he's singing it, you're kind of like smiling, not along, but then when you actually listen to the lyrics, it's like pretty dark. Yeah, because it sounds kind of uplifting, the melody. Yeah. yeah, but the lyrics are so dark, you're right. Yeah. So there's a part... Okay, I wanted to talk about something about this album, but yeah. I'm going to play this clip first because it kind of illustrates what I'm talking about.
So that's a really cool instrumental part. Mm. I wouldn't call that a guitar solo. It's more just like instrumental music. So at the time this album came out, I think that was pretty unique for Maiden. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about how this album was kind of like off-putting for fans. So you have the dark feel and the dark lyrics. You have the different sound from the different producer. You have the new singer. But then you also have this kind of like orchestrated guitar parts that aren't really solos. And that sounds so normal now. You play that now and you're like, oh yeah, that's Maiden. Yeah. But that's only because we're so used to like all the, you know, Dance of Death and Blood, or like think of the song Blood Brothers. Yeah. The whole last part of the song is like guitars playing melody together. Not quite a solo and not quite a riff, but it's just kind of like, well, I guess it is a riff, but. Yeah. And I think that was kind of off-putting for people too when that came out. Like kind of changed their song structure style for this album. But we're so used to it now when you go back. And I think that's part of the reason that this album now is like liked a lot more after some time has passed. It doesn't sound so like shocking to people and different. Like it just sounds like Maiden, but with a different singer. I think yeah. that's why looking back after some years have passed. Yeah. It, it took would... some time for people to come back and actually get into this album. Yeah, part of the transition that happened in this album stayed on even when Bruce came back and, and yeah. you know, I said it's later and the, the next wave of Bruce. Yeah, it's yeah more, that's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like a, they went yeah. kind of almost... This kind of prog rocky thing, which they never yeah. really did before. I don't know. Like, look at No More Lies. That song. Yeah. That's pure, like, X Factor songwriting it style. It is, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you listen to that with Bruce and everyone thinks it's great. And then they go back. And I think almost these newer albums kind yeah. of prepped people to go back and, like, accept the X Factor better. That's a good point. And, you know, in my tenure of listening to me, I would have noticed these. I wouldn't have noticed them at all. Yeah. Like, because, you know, obviously. I'm listening back through time. So yeah, that's that's a good analysis. I like yeah, that. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point. I mean, anyway, I, I like that song a lot. That's a, yeah. I think that's one of the better songs on this album too. Yeah, I think a, probably a, a fair way to describe it is that, you know, I would say pre-Summer in Time, post-Diano, there's a lot of consistency there. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and these are starting to break the mold a bit. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, you could say the same, a little bit with No Prayer, but not to that level. Um, kind of a miss in a lot of cases. And then when you you carried on, it, I don't know, it, everything, it, every album was different. Yeah. Well, they did change their songwriting yeah. style going into No Prayer, too. Yeah. And that's kind of why Adrian left, right? Because he was yeah. like, you're going the wrong direction. And they did, that is like a not very well-received album in the main yeah. catalog. So yeah. it's like they make these big changes in their sound. Yeah. And they kind of lose people for a while. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But I'd take this album over No Prayer any day. Yeah, it's hard, right? People want the... uh, You you see it now with with television. I mean, people don't like change. Like, nostalgia hits are all all the rage. Yeah, everything's a remake Uh, of something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Everything is. Or a reboot, yeah. That's right, people don't like change. They get get on, they want the comedian to tell the same style of jokes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like they complain if Maiden gets repetitive, but then they don't really want them to do anything different. So they want it to sound like Maiden, but they... That's why Book of Souls, yeah. I think, was great. They kind of branched out a little bit, but it's still, like, you have songs like The Red and the Black, which is pure, yeah. pure classic Maiden. But then, like, I don't yeah. know, there's a lot of songs on there that I think are kind of pushing into new directions. Yeah, it's it's a very maiden album, no question. You know, I don't think I've listened to it now in a while. Yeah, me neither. Oh, my God, come to think of it, you know, you just mentioned it. Now it's, I took it out of my truck, so it's not in there. I, don't, I can't tell you the last time I've been through it. 
We should do Book of Souls on the podcast. We haven't done it yet. We haven't done it yet. No. Man, I've honestly listened to that album a million times. Yeah. It's such I a great I think that's album. that Maiden album that you know the most out of all the Maiden albums. No matter, Life and Death for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to that album for, for four years straight. <laughs> it was like the only thing I listened to. Yeah, and we already did that one. Yeah, I know. Back then, we didn't really have our album. We might have to revisit that one. <laughs> um, no, it's true. In Summertime, Power Slave and Seven Sun. Yeah. Those are kind of my... And Brave New World, too. And now Dance of Death and Final Frontier. <laughs> really big. And of course, I was just the killers in Iron Maiden. I guess pretty well everything except for the Blades. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Fear uh, of the Dark and, and, and No dark Prayer. And yeah. No Prayer, yeah, are basically... Yeah, even in the, although now I'm listening to a lot of X Factor. Um, yeah, I listen to X Factor a lot more than those two albums. Yeah, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the conclusion. I wonder the, the proof is in the pudding. What's my uptake going to be? Like, I still listen to a lot of Final Frontier, and Dance of Death, yeah. and Brave New World, and you know, like they carry on a lot. And when we're finished doing all the albums, that's yeah. when we can start talking about comparing them. We get through them all first. So next song, yes. Blood, Blood on the World's Hands. Oh God. Um, this, what do you think song. of this one? I really don't like this song. Really? Because I think this is one of the best on the album. Really? Love it. Yeah. It's it just it feels to me like a university band in the seventies trying to rally anti-war. The lyrics, right? Like, um, you know, weird bass intro. It's a really weird really bass. Weird bass, I, bass intro. I have a clip here of the bass intro. It's like yeah. these weird bass runs and harmonics. Uh, and there's and some weird sound effect underneath it too. Yeah, play that, and then I want to get back to ripping it up. Okay. So the intro, like, okay, it's it's cool. Yeah. It's it's just too long. Like, look at the red and the black. That's the perfect bass intro, right? It's short and cool. Yeah. And it's quick, and then you get right into the song. Like, you're over a minute. You're a minute 15, probably, before the song yeah. really gets going. It's just too long. And, like, if you watch live bootlegs of them in this era, when they do the song... It's kind of cool watching, like, Steve Harris plays this part on an acoustic ba- bass in a stand, and he switches back to his, like, regular bass, and they, he goes back and forth. So it's kind of cool to watch. I almost feel like they should have done... When they do it live, they could stretch this intro out. Yeah. You know what I mean? As, like, a live thing. But then on the album, they should have maybe cut this down to, like, 20 seconds. Yeah, it kills the momentum. But yeah. I also I also feel like... Uh, and maybe it's, you know, because we're through the looking glass, and we've done the album prep and that. But... You, you look at this, the aftermath, Judgment of Heaven, then you come into this, and it starts up with this low, almost sad bass thing. It's like, yeah. it, you know? 
And then it starts to, the album starts to get dark and not It is kind dark. of a lull yeah. when that kicks in, yeah. But, but also like, oh, well, Steve's in a dark place. Let's have him do this really sad little bass solo at the start of the song. And then it's like, I think that the lyrics, I, 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 I didn't, we didn't clip it. I think it breaks out like it's out of control. Yeah. Blood on the World Tan, something like that. Yeah, right? I have the chorus here. I'll play a clip okay. of it. Yeah. But it's just so dark. I think the riff underneath the chorus when they're when he's singing that part, the out of control part, is really cool. Yeah, that, that that's great. And some some of the lyrics in this song are cheesy. That chorus is awesome though. Yeah, some I like of the, the lyrics are just so cheesy. The way the verses, like the singing, the way the words fall over the guitars, I yeah. think is really cool. I don't. It's another one where Blaze, I think, his singing is like amazing on this album. Yeah, and Murray has a really good solo on this, and it's awesome, but it's like way too short. <laughs> favorite solo on the album it but is it's, a good one it, well it's just so brief yeah as he clips it i was just like you could lean into that for two minutes yes yeah. this really cool uh i'm sure you could link that to a couple other songs where he's done something similar but to me i just that really caught me yeah that is a really good song. it's short and sweet yeah. yeah um another thing with this song is like after the chorus they keep going and these like keyboards come in yeah and i'm wondering if that kind of like that kind of like orchestration with a keyboard was kind of off-putting to people at the time because, I mean, we had that in Seventh Son and stuff. And, like, you know what I mean? The, the keyboards weren't new. But the way they're using the keyboards is kind of, like, uh, giving texture to it almost. Mm. Which they did on Dance of Death, like, to the max. And, like, we're so used to it now. And I'm wondering if hearing people use, like, kind of keyboards in the background like this would be kind of off-putting as another change in sound. Like, I don't think they really use keyboards this way up until yeah. now. Well, I guess on Afraid to Shoot Strangers, they have a whole bunch of keyboards. Yeah. Never Actually, to... Afraid to Shoot Strangers would fit right onto yeah. the X Factor. Yeah. Mm, interesting. But anyway, I think it's it's a it's a good song. It's a great song. There's a bunch of really cool riffs. Like I love these. Like listen to the guitar riffs in here. <laughs> They can really hear the keyboards heavy there over the guitar riffs. Yeah, barely. But really? doesn't stand out to me. It stands out, like, really loud to me. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, Blood on the World Hands, this track is, I don't know, I mean, it, there's some positives in it, but it just feels a bit too cheesy for me overall. Uh, lyrics read, like, you know, they're too simple. It's like an anti-war song. And I think, I don't know, maybe it's the current climate or whatever, I don't know what it is, but I just find, like, Blood on the World's Hands just, like, it's tiring to me right now. Yeah. I don't know, and I don't know if it fits the theme of the the album this like anti-war i don't know uh i just there's decent solo in there there's um you know uh, the chorus is good lyrics are overall cheesy i'm just not a huge fan yeah see i like it and you mentioned the solo um listen to how much better the solo sounds live 
So it just live, like every all these songs when I hear live versions of them, they just sound so much better. And I think it's the mix, like the solo there just like cuts right through, and it doesn't on the album. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just another example of the mixing or the mastering or whatever of the album. I guess the mix. Yeah. Yeah, and then it plays, you know, almost sounds more punchy live. That's, yeah. Yeah. And it sounds heavier too, which that's I like. point. So the next song is The Edge of Darkness. So that's uh, Harris, Blaze, and Yannick. Yeah, this is the uh, Apocalypse the of Darkness. Now. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Which is a great movie. One of my faves. That used to be one of my favorite movies. I guess it still is. I haven't watched it, but I remember being like, you know, in my early 20s. Yeah. And watching that movie like. I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. Tons and tons of times. Yeah, well, the, the original book, which I haven't read, but it was about World War II. Yeah, I had to read that for and, my university English, whatever. It, was, the, it wasn't about World War II. It was way before that. It was about the Belgian Congo. Was it? Yeah. Like, not the Boer Wars. It, the guy was still named Kurt. And he yeah. was, it, basically, he had to go in. It's a very similar plot, but it wasn't set in Vietnam. Yeah, there's no, there's no historical. It didn't happen or... No, it's, a, it's fiction. It's just totally yeah. fiction. And it was written long ago, and then they adapted it when they made it for a movie. That's right. Francis Ford Coppola, right? Yeah. And uh, Robert Duvall's in it. Yeah, a Redux Archie. version came out, which is like a director's cut. Yeah. Which I was all excited for, and then I finally got to see when it came out, and like there's a reason that they cut a lot of that stuff. <laughs> it's just these extended scenes that just, to me, they just destroy the momentum of the film. But the original is like one of my favorite movies. Love it. So you'd think I would like love the song. <laughs> yeah. And I do like the song. It's like 100%. Uh, it's not inspired by Apocalypse Now. It's basically like regurgitating dialogue from Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Like he says, for a week I've been waiting. Still I'm only in Saigon. The walls move in a little closer. I feel the jungle call me on. Every minute I get weaker while the jungle, they grow strong. Anyway, it's just like it's straight out of Apocalypse Now. Like this is yeah. pretty much the lyrics to the song. And this is clips from the movie. I'm here a week now, waiting for a mission, getting softer. Every minute I stay in this room, I get weaker. And every minute Charlie squats in the bush, he gets stronger. Each time I looked around, the walls moved in a little tighter. Like the lyrics, they basically took dialogue from the movie, changed them slightly, and made lyrics. Like that whole part about like everything, everyone gets everything he wants. I wanted a mission, and for my sins, they gave me one. That's like yeah, right. They then, brought it up just like room service. And then the next line, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They brought up just that's that that will be my next cheesy lyric. Yeah, well, that's a lyric word for word from Apocalypse Now. He's basically just taking Does the he narration. Say they brought it up just yeah. Like he room says service? they brought it up just like room service. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, like this whole thing about everyone gets everything he wants. I wanted a mission, and for my sins, they gave me one. That's a quote. Yeah, and brought it up like room service. That's a quote. And I've never really? won another I, one. I remember, After, I remember yeah. he's in the room, like, losing his mind. Yeah. And then they come in and grab him and throw him in the tub. And then they take him to that famous scene where yeah. Harrison, Harrison Ford's, Ford's there. there. Yeah. 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 Well, he's in, like, Francis Ford Coppola. And, and he was, like, Francis Ford Coppola and um, George Lucas. The two of them both loved Harrison Ford, right? And because uh, George Lucas did that other movie and Harrison Ford was in it. His, his precursor to the Star Wars movies. But anyway, the uh, that was an awesome scene. It wasn't like uh, we want you to turn it in with extreme prejudice or something. Yeah, and they say that in yeah. the in the song, and they say it in the lyrics. Well, they say it in the lyrics here too. Yeah, so everything is just like it's so. I don't mind like Maiden always does this with like taking a movie or taking a book or taking whatever. But this one is just so literal that it's word for word lifted dialogue. Yeah. That for some reason I just I wish they had it like, I don't know. And I mean it's a pretty good song. The intros, a little bit. 
It's like yet another really slow intro. This one, the same criticism I had for Man on the Edge, which is like, do you have to make it so literally about the movie, like yeah. word for word? Like, can it be inspired by it and just kind of, I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. That did kind of ruin Man on the Edge for me. Yeah. So I've been thinking yeah. about that ever since. It's so literal and it's so simple. Like the prisoner yeah. in the duelist. It's yeah. about a TV show and a movie, but they kind of like made it their own thing. And this one, it's and like where Eagles Dare is directly about a movie, like it's describing yeah. what happens in the movie. But they, it's just it's the Alexander the Great problem, right? Yeah, too literal. too literal. Yeah, like you remember that there's a oh god, I, you know I shouldn't pull this up without being so dense on it. But um, I remember Frodo and like gets dropped in a Led Zeppelin song. He gets dropped in like one line. Oh yeah, and like you know. And um, oh, I can't remember. I think it's Led Zeppelin too. I can't remember the exact song. And then wow. people try and interpret if the whole song is about it or not. Yeah. The whole point is, is they didn't go like, this is a song about a guy who carries a ring to a fire. Yeah, <laughs> it's about like, like, it's like in the darkest depths of Mordor, that yeah, song. Yeah. 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 That's right. I, that always bothered me in that Zeppelin song too. I was like, do you have to really reference specifically a place from Lord of the Rings? Like you yeah, can that, sing that kind yeah. of theme without. And he does say Frodo. Does he? Frodo and the evil one or something. I don't know. He says Gollum in the evil one. Gollum in the evil one. Is yeah. It? Okay. Slipped away. Yeah. Yeah. So. I know what you mean exactly. I've listened to those albums. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know why I feel like that about the song because, like, I don't know, like the loneliness of the long distance runner, Moon Child, to tame a land. They're all based on like books and like they've done movies, they've done TV, but this one's just so literal that it. It. I don't know. I feel like they could have done a lot more. Yeah. With Apocalypse Now, it's such a great movie. So I don't know the. Uh, Musically, though, if you get away from the lyrics, it's it's pretty good. It's not one of my favorite on the album. Um, I really love this uh, this riff. So when I hear a riff like that, it just screams like Yannick to me. That sounds like one of those Yannick riffs that are kind of like, yeah. There's a certain sound to like Yannick, <laughs> Yannick riffs that he writes, and that that sounds like it to me. I'm not sure if he's like. I know he has a writing credit on the song, and I'm assuming that he wrote that riff just because it sounds like. I made fun of that in like either last episode or the episode before. When you hear a song that a riff that's like doodle 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 doodle, yeah, it's like a, a pure Yannick thing. So. But I like it in the song. It's pretty cool. Um, there's some good solos. Once it kicks in, yeah, you get the gallop. So this is like an, an example of like classic Maiden sound on this album. classic maiden sound which i love yeah and i love the part two right after that it was just about to go into it where he's like here i'm the knife in my hand and now i understand why the genius must die and it slows right down to junk 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 and goes into this like slow chugging part i love yeah. that part here i am the knife in my hand and now i understand why the genius must die now 
I get it. I like it. There's some aspects of it I like, definitely. Um, some great references to the Apocalypse Now, but at the same time, man, I don't know about this track. It's just, it's hard to get past that. It's yeah. Because the movie's so iconic to me, and I like that. It just feels like they just jammed it together to put a song on it. Yeah, it's like a good, it's a good song. There's really great parts in it, but overall, yeah. it just, it doesn't do it for me. You know what, though? I have this constant contradiction in my analysis. And that's like, whenever I analyze a new song, I'm like, oh, it's so cheesy. Oh, why do they do it this way? Meanwhile, <laughs> like, my favorite songs are the cheddar cheesiest cheese of all time, right? The Evil of Men Do. Oh, yeah. Like, Icarus. Like, but the, the che- cheese, cheese really works if you hit it. Yeah. But if you don't, if you miss, it's just horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's like the literalness of the lyrics. And that's part of the reason I don't like Man on the Edge, too. Yeah. Well, I, I shouldn't say I don't like Man on the Edge, because I do like Man on the Edge. But yeah. I told you it was in my bottom half of this album for me. And I think that's part of the reason why. Yeah. So, reflection on the beer. How's the beer? The beer's pretty good. I don't think I would get it again only because I don't like wheat beer. But for a wheat beer, it's probably one of the better wheat beers I've had. Yeah, it's not bad. What's yeah. the percentage on that? I think like 4.8 or something like that. 4.8%. Yeah, so it's the Garrison Nitwit. Nitwit. Well, yeah. we'll put it up on the website. Is the website up to speed now? On it the, is, on yeah. Every episode I've been putting the beers up. So if you want to read reviews and notes about the beers, there's a list of them at talkingmaiden.com slash beers. Wow. Yeah. How are you going to find that? <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll uh, wrap it up. Yeah, move on. Then. And move on. Next... There's going to be a fourth part for the uh, the X Factor. We were trying to decide if we were going to do a two-part or a three-part. And we're like, yeah. well, let's not rush it. And then... Well, we've we got, end up going we've into got, three, and then we still have we still have Fergal's interview to get to. Fergal or Fergus? Apparently, we got a bit of shtick from. I don't understand. Oh, he was how, just joking around, but uh, we accidentally no, called him Fergus way. last episode. You did. I, I never called him. Fergus. He said we both did. We both did. Yeah. So. I, Fergus isn't even a name. It's, is it a Scottish name? Fergus. Yeah. I've never heard the name Fergus before. But uh, Fergus, I suppose, is a name. I don't know. Now I'm going to get an email from like 10 Fer- Ferguses. <laughs> There's a bunch of Ferguses and uh, live around here. Musicians downtown. Well, it's interesting because I actually went back to Fergal and, and I was like, your name spelling is different. And he was like, actually, mine's the legit way to spell oh, yeah. it. Which is what every Irish person says <laughs> when you get them on their name. So from now on, he's the man formerly known as Fergal. Who should not be called Fergus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we'll do his interview next time. That'll be great. Yep. And then we're going to finish off the tracks. Right. We got, and we've got to try and pull this together in some yeah. cohesive way. And I've got B-sides to go into, too. So Oh, that's true, too. There's still two B-sides we didn't cover. Ooh, plus B-sides? So normally I would be like, kind of like, oh, we should have finished this up. But apparently people are uh, loving these X-Factor episodes. So we're the, we're, Well, you're listening to uh, Talking Me in the X-Factor podcast. <laughs> uh, we'll just keep this going. Virtual 11. We'll, we'll make that 11 partner. <laughs> we'll leave Virtual 11 for a long time. After we finish this, we'll yeah, get back we'll, into the classic albums. Yeah, no prayer. Yeah, maybe. No prayer would be good. <laughs> All right, so com. You can go there and send us an email, get in touch. If you haven't rated us on iTunes, please do. Yeah. Uh, it's a big help for us. And we have been getting lots and lots of emails yes, about the X Factor and people talking about stuff we said and people giving us their opinions on the X Factor. Yeah. But like that... That would be like another whole episode of just yeah, getting well, into all those emails. Yeah. So I think maybe we'll be, if we have time in the next episode, maybe we'll touch on a few of them. But I have a feeling we're not going to have time. No, we're not going to get them in the next one, but the one after. Yeah, we'll go we through We'll we catch, got a bunch we'll of up. new yeah. stuff we need to talk about. We can cover some then. Yeah. Yeah, so in two weeks. So if you want to make a quick comment, get it in. But uh, yeah, if you want to if you want to get on the episode, keep it brief because we yeah. got a lot to go through. I've got like a dozen emails that people sent me. Yeah. They're kind of lengthy that I have flagged 
to go yeah. through to talk about on the on the podcast. So I'll have to go through those and pick out a few things to talk about. Yeah, but it's just getting hard to like, you know, There's reply a to everyone. I try to reply to everyone, and I think I have been replying to everyone. Yeah, but sometimes it's a while. I used to reply to everyone like the same day they email me, and now sometimes. It yeah, it takes, takes a, while. a while. And then sometimes when I chip in and reply because I get them forwarded from the account right. to my account. Yeah. Yeah, then, if you email yeah. us on our website from that form, it goes to me and Josh. Yeah. yeah. But I but you have the primary reply, which is why I, yeah, yeah. also you have you're at your desk all day so you get the chance. Yeah. But then sometimes I reply and we get the double emails. <laughs> yeah. You get a double reply from us. Double reply. Yeah, keep them coming. And yeah. uh until uh until next time, you know, up the irons and down the hops.